0: So this week, we are beginning our series entitled Identity Crisis, where we look at the question of who am I, and we really dive into that answer, seeking who it is that God tells us that we are. But before we even look into that, we need to look at this term of identity crisis. An identity crisis is... Uh, defined as a period of uncertainty and confusion in in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure, typically due to a change in their expected aims or role in society. And so as we kind of dive into this idea of an identity crisis, uh, I started off by just kind of thinking about the year that was 2020 a year that we don't really want to think about anymore cuz we're hoping to move on from it but where as we think about it for many of us when we think about it there are certain things that happened and we think about it and go what is the toughest part what is the what was the hardest thing about 2020 for some of you it may have been being separated from friends it may have been the loss of someone for some of you you enjoyed the idea of being of being able to be a recluse to to some extent and the reality is is all of us had different lows when it came to 2020. And the reasoning behind that is because we are indeed different people. See, God created each and every one of us to be individuals. Yet too often, what happens is we fall into this idea of wanting to be someone else of wanting to be like someone else and so often what what that tr- looks like is that we're going through the motions that we see something or someone else doing but it's not authentic to who we are i can remember going to camp one year with a youth group and they, and we were doing a high ropes course and they had a rock wall and and me thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to be big and bad and be able to do this rock wall. And then all my youth climbed right up the wall. And I got on there. And first off, I need to clarify, I have a slight, not a super, but a slight sense of uh, uh, fear of heights, rather. And also, I have rather large feet. And so as I started to climb this, this wall, I started to realize, A, that my feet weren't fitting, and B, I was getting higher and higher up there, And it made me a little uneasy. My knees started to get a little shaky. And I started to realize that it was really hard to be like all my teenagers climbing up that wall. And the reality was was because it wasn't something I could do. It wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Big guys with big feet were not supposed to be doing that. And so as we look at this idea of being individuals, of who we're called to be and how so often we find ourselves going through the motions, I want us to look at one of my favorite portions of scripture, which is the parable of the prodigal son, or if your scripture may say it, the parable parable of the prodigal and his brother, or however they may define it. But it comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And I'm going to kind of skim over because I'm sure many of us have heard it. And if you haven't, I invite you to go look at Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. But Jesus is telling this parable and he talks about a man who had two sons. And the younger one comes to his father and says, give me my share of the property that will belong to me. He says, give me my inheritance. And so the father divided it between them. And a few days later, the son gathered all that he had and he went to a distant country where he squandered his property, and it says in dissolute living. And when he had spent everything, there was a severe famine that came throughout the country and he began to become a need. And so he went and hired himself to be one of the citizens of that country. And he went into the fields and he fed the pigs. And he said, I would gladly fill myself, my, fill myself with the pods of the pigs. He's, he finds himself after taking his father's inheritance to now he is so hungry that he is feeding pigs and saying, I would gladly just eat what the pigs are eating. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread have enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will go and get to go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he's developed this plan. I'm going to go back to my dad. My dad's dad's servants even live better than this. And he's thought up this long, elaborate apology that he's going to give to his father. And so he goes off to his father. But while he was still a far way off, it says the father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran to him and he put his arms around him and he kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and before heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Go. Go. Bring out the robe, the best one. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us celebrate. For this is my son. He was lost, is found, and, he, and they began to celebrate. So we're all, only to verse 24, but what has happened is the son has come home. And the father rejoices. You see, the son has lost sight of who he was, who he is. He is the father's son. And so he comes back and says, I'd settle to be your servant. And the father goes, no, you're my son. I love you. I've missed you. That apology that the son had created in his head, the father didn't even need to hear. He ran out to rejoice with his son. But then we hear in verse 25 that there was the other son. And his older son was in the field. And when he came home and he approached the house, he heard the music and the dancing. And he called to one of the slaves. He said, what's going on? And they replied your brother has come home and your father has killed the calf because he has gotten him back safe and sound. And then the son doesn't the other son doesn't react as you would expect. You would expect him to be like, "Oh, my brother's home. Awesome." But he becomes angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, "Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you. I've been never disobeyed your command. Yet you have given me Even a young, you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, he who has devoured the property which with prostitutes who killed the fatted calf for him, then the father said to him. So this is what's happened. The brother comes home and he gets angry. The father dad comes out and he basically says, What's wrong? And he says. I've been I've been here. I've been doing everything I was supposed to do and I get no reward. Yet this son of yours that went off took his inheritance and squandered it on prostitutes and all this other stuff. He comes back and you throw a party for him. And the father's reaction said He says to him, "Son, you are you are always with me." And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He has lost and been found. You see, the reality that I think happens is that so often we find ourselves like one of the two sons. We're either that first son where we say, I want to go off into the world and and, and try to figure it all out for myself or what happens so often in the church, sadly, is that we stay home and we do what we're quote-unquote supposed to do and we lose sight of the calling that has been placed on our lives. We, we lose sight of everything that God has created us to do and we find ourselves just going through the motions. And But what, what are those causes in our lives that cause us to miss out on who we were created to be, who we are called to be, for many, it's, uh, it's that FOMO, that fear of missing out. We're so worried that if we don't go the way of the world, that if we don't take our inheritance and go do something, that or if we find ourselves just st- sticking around and doing what we're created to do, that we're going to miss out on something else or we find ourselves falling into this trap uh, so often in our world now of groupthink, where one person says it and everybody else kind of falls in line because they're afraid of being left out in the cold. They're afraid that if they don't go with the group, then they're going to be ostracized and pushed away. They're afraid that they're going to end up like that second son where all of a sudden you've just kind of stayed and done what you were supposed to do, what you were created to do, and everybody else is, in, is over here having a party type thing. And the reality is that we need to... First, understand who it is that God says we are. Because if you don't see yourself through Christ first, then you will always find yourself looking for the next best thing. You see, here's the beauty of it that we're missing. Is who God created us to be is the very best version that we can be. But so often we feel that we know better. And so we find ourselves seeking for that fulfillment and everything else. We find ourselves taking our inheritance and going and squandering it on worldly things. Or even when God is throwing a party for the one that has returned, we lose sight because we feel like they're getting something that we don't already have, and we lose sight of our why. We lose sight of what's going on. It's because of Jesus that we are even able to know who we truly are. And that's what the father tells the second son when he says, You're mine. Everything I have is yours. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But it's because of God that we know who we truly are. And it's because of Jesus that we can continue to live that way. And when we remember this, it frees us up to be who we truly are. And it's way easier to be who we truly are than to try to be some inauthentic, try to be who the world tells us that we should be. And the way in which we do this is through the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit gives us the power to be who we are called to be, who we are truly called to be. To stop trying to be something else, to stop... To stop just going through the motions, but to have a heart to pursue after God's will and God's call for our lives and to let God show you who who you really are so that you don't continue to get worn out trying to live like you were never meant to live. You see, God doesn't say go and do all the stuff that I want you to do without any understanding. He says go and do it because you understand, because you have experienced my love, because you have seen the example set by Christ, and you trust that the way in which I have for you is the greatest way. It's through that relationship, through that power of the Spirit that we are called to live. But in order for us to really know who you aren't, who we are not, we must first know who we are. And this is what the Father is calling the Son to remember at the very end when He says that, it, that you are my Son. Everything. I have is yours. You are always with me and all that is mine is yours. This is what Jesus is proclaiming to us this day. You know, you've gone out seeking to fill void, seeking to figure out who you are. And God is going, just come home, be with me. Allow me to speak truth into you, to place that calling on your life of who you were created to be. And so that you may find who you truly are because you are mine, you are my child. God is our Abba. We are, we are set free by God's love. We no longer are a slave to the ways of the world, but we are set free to be who we are truly created to be. So long, For so long we found ourselves feeling bound up and feeling chained up by the things that we have to do because the world says so. But God says, no, allow my grace to set you free to be who you are created to be. Everything God has, he offers it to you. We know God, and God knows us. It's living in this wonderful relationship. And when you try to become anything other than what God has made you to be, you become enslaved. But God longs for us to be set free. And that's where we find the true confidence in who we are. That's where we can truly lose this idea of this identity crisis and truly begin to figure out, who am I, is when we truly realize that the best of all is, indeed, that God is with us. Amen and amen.